Happy Monday, Liberty lovers. And before we get into today's episode, the 418th edition of this flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, I might add, I want to quickly tell you about something amazing that we got to do last year. Thanks to our supporters on Patreon, the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. But myself and John Odermatt, thanks to their support, we got to go to the Libertarian National Convention in New Orleans next year in 2020. It's in Austin, Austin, Texas, and we're going to have a great time there. It's so amazing to come to events like that and like Porkfest and to meet other libertarians kind of on the ground where they're acting and really get to know each other and realize that this community is made of real people, not just bots on the internet. And we're definitely looking forward to doing that again next year. And if you are looking to get involved in the Libertarian Party, I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if you care at all about what happens within the Libertarian Party and with what that name Libertarian stands for and the message being put out, well, the only real way to get involved and influence that is by becoming a member of the Libertarian Party. And now, when you become a member of the party, you can also give us a little kickback and help your favorite Libertarian podcast. So if you are looking to join the Libertarian Party or renew your membership, I just ask that you do so through our affiliate link, which you can find over at lp.org slash Lions of Liberty. Again, that's lp.org slash Lions of Liberty. I will also post a link in today's show notes, which you can find over at lionsofliberty.com slash 418. I look back and I, I wonder about the same thing. Had I quit college, had I not gone, had I, had I, had I, had I, right? What could my life have been? Knowledge and learning doesn't just take place in a classroom, that it takes place everywhere, that a conversation with a stranger could lead you on more of a philosophical conversation than you'll ever get with a professor in college. Welcome to the Lines of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, kiddies, I've got not just one, but two great guests with me today. First up, he is the founder and president of the Libertas Institute, which helps to create a freer state of Utah by helping to remove regulatory obstacles for its citizens. He is also the author of over a dozen books, including the popular Tuttle Twin series of children's books, which help to teach young people about the ideas of liberty. And he has also put together the book we'll be discussing today entitled Skip College. Very pleased to welcome, for the first time, Connor Boyack. Connor, are you ready to roar? I have never been more ready. All right, excellent. And uh, we'll hear a little more of that roar in just a minute. But first, we have to bring in our other guest. She is a senior writer for the Foundation for Economic Education, and uh, she contributed to the very same book as well, Skip College. I'm very pleased to welcome Brittany Hunter. Brittany, are you ready to roar? Let's do it. Excellent. And uh, as I mentioned a couple times there, we're here to talk about this book, Skip College. But since it's both of your first appearances on the program, I want to at least get the brief story about how you became to be such a, such excellent proponents for the ideas of liberty. So, Connor, we'll start with you. What first led you down this path to do everything you are out there doing for liberty today? Oh, wow. All right. So the short version is I was invited to a private screening of this new documentary that was uh, just coming out called America, Freedom to Fascism by the late Aaron Rousseau. This would have been in about 2000, well. yeah, 2005, I want to say, something like that. And uh, there was this old guy in the documentary who just made a lot of sense. I had no clue who he was. I Googled Ron Paul, and down the rabbit hole I went. 
Believe it or not, that name has come up one or two times uh, in the course of my six years asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Brittany, how about you? How did you get wrapped up in all this Liberty Madness? Yeah, it was a lot of little things, but ultimately, and it kind of pains me to say this, it was my college boyfriend who challenged me on um, FDR. Uh, I once like came in talking about how FDR was the greatest president that ever existed. He's like, I bet you he wasn't. Um, and so I kind of started, you know, I didn't think I would ever understand economics. And then I found the Mises Institute and I started realizing that it wasn't this, I mean, it is complex, but it is so complex that no one can possibly understand it, you know? So um, that kind of led me down the economic, you know, rabbit hole of, of things. Um, and I've been here ever since. All right. And as you discuss in the book, and we'll go into a little bit later, uh, you may have started down the path of liberty in college, but it certainly wasn't due to your professors at all. So, no. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about that more in a bit. Um, you know, I, I want to start with the title here, uh, Skip College. You know, it's maybe not such a controversial message with this particular audience, perhaps. Uh, but I think with the general public at large, that's still a pretty controversial statement, a, a controversial thing to bring up. Uh, maybe even my, my parents would be, would be somewhat uh, appalled by it. Uh, but I, I want to start with you, Connor. What exactly in inspired this book? And uh, perhaps you could detail your own experience with college uh, along the way. So I wrote a book a few years back called Passion Driven Education. <clears throat> and the whole purpose of that book is to talk about how we can adapt uh, curriculum and an educational approach fit around each child's interests. So for example, with my son, rather than talking to him about algebra or about biology or whatever, you know, here's this at the time, I think he was like six or seven. And I could talk to him about the world of Angry Birds and I could incorporate principles of algebra and biology and all these other subjects into this world that he was deeply passionate about. And what was nice is that I was almost translating, right? I wasn't talking about variables. I wasn't talking about mitochondria. I wasn't using all these abstract terms like a new language he has to learn. I was helping him make sense of a world he already understood. And so that's kind of the whole concept behind passion-driven education is that throughout our life, we retain best the information that we desire to remember, right? When we are forced to learn things and regurgitate them, it just goes in you know, and out. We just pump and dump. And so I, I did this book. I went around speaking to a bunch of conferences. And the book is primarily designed for parents of people in the, in the K through 12 system, right? And so here's a new model. Here's something you can try. And I started getting a lot of questions from parents saying, well, great, what do I do about college, right? Like, I decided to homeschool and I use this approach and do I need to be thinking about college and if, if high school, if, if public school has all these negative things, don't, uh, don't colleges have a lot of the same negative defects and problems with them? And so I realized that within kind of the liberty movement per se, there wasn't a, a lot of good resources in terms of presenting a, a concise message as to why we should, or, or rather there is a viable option of skipping college. And so this was an effort to not just have my own thoughts, but a whole bunch of other smart people come together and say, there's this whole different world out there, the traditional conveyor belt path we've always been on. You know, it doesn't have to be taken for granted that that is what we need to do always and forever. And so it's really just a way to throw up some kind of, you know, warning posts and, and detour signs along that conveyor belt so that families who are on that traditional system or who have already opted out of it and they're homeschooling or whatever can determine how best to build a successful life and career outside of the college system. I'm curious, did you at any point when thinking of the title, did you think about sort of a less forceful title, like maybe a suggestion, like, should I skip college? Or did like what was the thought behind going with a very kind of a definitive statement, like skip college? 
Yeah, it was, it's definitely declarative. It's, it's uh, right up front. And basically it comes down to that's how you sell books, right? And so it's got a bit of shock value. And then even when you open the book, there's all sorts of qualifiers, right? Like in some cases, college makes sense. If you weigh all the alternatives, if you really study things out, if you choose a certain career and they basically require that you have certain prerequisites, there's the obvious you know, qualifications to say that in some cases, college could be the ultimately the right decision. But even then, there's a lot of different ways to go about college, uh, rather than just going and letting them lead you along in the traditional path. There's so many different detours and alternative paths within the college framework that you can take to achieve your same goal. So really, it's just about being smart and having eyes wide open. Uh, but in terms of the title itself, it definitely is a bolder one just to attract attention, cause a little bit of, you know, division. So you pit one side against the other and force a debate. And we can say, well, look, we've got some information that can help inform that debate. Sure. You might want to get people to say, how dare he say that? Let me read all about why he why he's telling me this. Exactly. <laughs> and Brittany, you contributed a really great essay to this book uh, discussing a little bit about your college experience. So could you kind of dip in there a little bit? You don't need to give the whole thing away, but can you tell us a little bit about your experience with college and sort of the way you went in there with a certain attitude and, and how that started to change? Yeah. Um, so I like academia. I like learning. I thought college would be a place where both those things would take place. But I found out very quickly, especially in 2008, when you had you know the Obama craze going on, that all my professors were really just political. Even my psychology professor wanted to be political. And it wasn't, it's not what I had signed up for. That's not what I had gotten there for or gone there for. Um, and so it kind of started disillusioning me very quickly. And I am somebody who does not like the conventional route. I, I pretend that I do, but I always take like an alternative path. Um, and college towards the end, because I was obviously in college for a while, just started not to make sense. And especially as somebody who wants to be a writer, I didn't really understand why I needed to learn how to write in a way that I, would, I was going to have to unlearn as soon as I graduated in order to actually have a career as a writer. Uh, so it just, you know, it just started slowly just disillusioning me. And I realized instead of taking out student loans, I could actually be making money and getting a job. And as soon as I dropped out of school, I was able to actually get a job as a teacher at a private school, um, and libertarian leading private school. So it all worked out for the best. Uh, there's one story you tell uh, specifically about your psychology class that, that really blew my mind uh, when you were, you were talking about the, the first day of the class, how the teacher went and started dividing up the classmates. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> um, so it was our first day and it was my first day back at college. I had graduated with a ton of credits, but I hadn't been to school for years. So this is like really my first day of college. And, you know, she, the first question was like, who here has, you know, moved from a different state or something? And the next question was like, who here has ever voted as anything that wasn't a Republican? And then started like, but then she had us like stand up for this question and kind of divide the room into who was on the left, you know, who considered themselves a moderate or independent. And, you know, so it was, was so creepy right. even just reading about that. It's just so, 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 creepy. so strange. Because we saw each other and then, you know, throughout the whole semester, you're kind of like, oh, I know where this person stands <laughs> because I made them, you know, I had to watch them stand in the corner. So, yeah, it was a really weird. Uh, yeah, and, and you were, I mean, it seemed like, uh, you know, just, just re in reading your essay there that you were actually really interested in psychology and even got kind of further, you know, with that with that particular pr professor. And uh, then at some point down the road, there was a split. Could you, could you also tell that story real quick? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So <laughs> she didn't know. All she'd asked is Republican, Democrat, or like independent. She didn't ask about any other political views. Most people don't, that, that's fine. So when I had not gone into the Republican group, she assumed I was something cooler, I guess. Um, but then there was a, an event taking place about Obamacare. 
and a professor was in the office with both she and I and asked, you know, what my views on, on healthcare were. And I was like, well, I'm a libertarian, so I don't want, you know, any, <laughs> any government involved in healthcare. And then like, she definitely like gave me an eyebrow raise with that. And then it steadily started getting worse where she'd ask me like, why won't you take the city bus? <laughs> I'm like, I won't take buses. <laughs> and then like, it just kind of derailed from there. And eventually- Because they're she, run by the state. <laughs> exactly. And eventually, you know, she just kind of was like, you know, it's not working out, but I had a hunch. I had a hunch there were reasons. <laughs> Connor, I'm curious, did you, you know, did you experience like any of this on your end as uh, so far as like your, you know, your relationship with college? So mine was a very traditional experience. You know, I went, I was a IT major, so I was kind of a computer nerd at the time. And, you know, I had to take my prerequisites. I had to get through all the classes. And for me, it was, you know, just getting through it to get that diploma. It was just what you did. No one ever talked to me about alternatives. My parents just, you know, this is what you do and you go to college and then get a job. I was never presented with uh, options. I mean, I maybe could have thought through it and found it on my own, but I wasn't in that frame of mind that young. I was just focused on doing what everyone expected me to do. Uh, the college certainly didn't tell me any options to avoid college or to, you know, and, and what, what really uh, <laughs> sealed the deal for me in terms of me recognizing that there was a problem was uh, about midway through my sophomore year in college, I started my own freelancing business on the side. I was building websites for people and I was making pretty decent money, nights, weekends, lunch breaks, everywhere in between. And I would find myself sitting in class, in my IT classes, uh, working on client websites and client uh, web applications while sitting in a class learning the very things that I was already doing. And it got to the point where some of my teachers, especially my senior year, would occasionally have me come up and present to the class. I and, was about to um, say, it sounds like you should have been teaching the class. So that <laughs> Yeah. And, and I started, in fact, this thought didn't occur to me till after I finished college, but I'm like, I paid all of that money so that I could get a diploma that certifies that I learned things. I was already learning on my own to solve problems in my freelancing business. And then even in some select few cases, presenting to the class instead like they should be paying me why was i paying them you know and, and it really struck me that there was a missed opportunity a profound opportunity cost of all of the time spent sitting in classes i didn't need especially all of the general education prerequisites i know that i have zero interest in and will never have an interest in uh, especially stuff like biology and i just uh i felt like i had lost a lot of time to me it was just a profound almost like I, like I had been robbed to some extent where I, I missed out all this time that I could have been quickly growing this little business, that I could have been getting into the market much more quickly, paying off debt, saving for a future family. And I just felt like it was a waste. Like I, I finally got to the end. I finished the, the finish line. All these people cheering for me. I'm holding up my little, you know, diploma. And then I'm like, I, it was very underwhelming that all of that effort went into getting that diploma, which signaled that I took a bunch of tests and memorized stuff that I had already by then forgotten. And to me, it just felt like a ruse. I didn't really, until a few years later, really understand a lot of the philosophical problems with the modern education system, the historical precedents that kind of led to this, or even really a lot of the alternatives that especially in the past decade or so have come onto the scene, things like Praxis, for example. And so it's not like there were a ton of easy opportunities for me had I decided to abandon college in the early, very early 2000s, but it just felt like a waste and I wanted something better. And especially now looking forward for my own children, I, I want to do all I can 
to steer them away from that conveyor belt, help them build something on their own, learn through failure, learn through experience. And, you know, at the end of the day, if they want to go to college, no problem. I just want that to be a highly informed decision rather than just the next step on the conveyor belt. Right. You're trying to change the conversation from a presumption that everybody should go to college to an actual thought process that at least people will go to and consider the possibilities in life. And I, you know, I think I had a little bit of a similar experience to you, Connor, where you know I went through college because I was supposed to. It's just what you're supposed to do. I didn't really question it too much. And I, you know, I ended up studying you know, a little bit of what I do today. I got into TV production. I took some production classes. But I think one thing I learned when I actually got into the industry is I ended up working with people who had been in the industry for 20 years, did the things I wanted to do that had never gone to college. They learned everything on their own. And I started to think, well, here I am. I'm just starting off. I'm not making that much money. I'm spending a lot of that money to pay off the, some student loans that, that I had learning this. Meanwhile, I'm working next to people who I aspire to be like who never even bothered. And it just started to recur to me, like, was this even necessary? And obviously, as as I've gone down this path and you know of libertarianism and such, you know, that, that has been only cemented and, and your book uh, served to cement, cement that idea even more for me. And I, I, obviously, you are both passionate about this issue. And uh, so I know you're out there talking about it all the time. So I'm wondering if you could each maybe come up with, uh, I know there's a bun- bunch of them, but maybe like the number one objection uh, that you guys get when you discuss this idea of skipping college or even entertaining the idea of, of considering some alternatives. Uh, Brittany, do you want to toss one out there that you get and uh, you know kind of what your response usually is? Yeah, I don't get a lot of criticism. Um, I think because <laughs> your arguments are that good. <laughs> no, I just I need I need friends that don't have the same opinions as me, probably. Um, it's because I you know I'm so deep in like praxis world and fee world and all that, and we're also we're also dedicated to finding these alternatives. That's it's almost to me in my circles, it's almost like college is such an outdated idea now that talking about college is silly. You know, it's almost the opposite where it's kind of like, oh, you you want to go to college? Like, okay. Is that a trend that you find uh, in your, I hate to say your generation, it makes me feel old, but <laughs> I think you're only a little bit younger than me, but is that, that a trend you find of, of people your age that it's, it's? I mean, when I was growing up, there was no questioning of it now, but is there more of that just kind of in the culture that, you know, obviously we don't necessarily need this? I think there is definitely more, it, it just, it, there's just more jobs available, right? Like you can learn to do anything on YouTube. You can learn to do anything with Khan Academy. There's no reason to pay, you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars for graduate degrees to get a piece of paper. It's just, it's, it's a silly idea. And like Connor said, there are some professions. If you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a doctor, yes, right now you have to get a degree, but even that could be changed, you know, with apprentice systems. So there's just so many other ways. It's so in the box thinking. So I agree with, with Brittany, uh, to the extent that there's more, but uh, but that's re- a relative term, right? Like it's hard to quantify uh, how many more there actually is. And and if you just go step on a college campus and start talking to people, even just do a little bit of people watching and kind of observe all these people, I come away with a totally different vibe that all these people are on the conveyor belt. And yeah, we are aware of all these different systems and opportunities and jobs that don't require college and headlines talking about how Google is no longer requiring you know college degrees. I, I kind of feel like we have this curse of knowledge where we think everyone else is kind of imbibing the same, uh, more enlightened, you know, post-college uh, zeitgeist. Whereas I feel like a lot of us, especially in the liberty movement, and, and you know, I run in a lot of the same circles as Brittany does. We kind of feel like, oh wow, like look how popular it's becoming. But then I talk to my friends who are college professors or college students, and I come away a little bit not depressed, but maybe more pragmatic in recognizing that, man, we got our work cut out for us because that, <laughs> that conveyor belt is still packed full of people. The incentives to go to college are still very strong. 
And especially where you take like the older generation, the parents and so forth that are still pushing this on the younger generation, this may be a generational thing where it takes another couple of decades to really make a significant cultural impact. Um, Cause I think, yes, we're seeing it, but I think we are disproportionately seeing it in kind of our Liberty uh, alternative thinking communities Whereas, you know, in the, the statist quo, as I like to call it, uh, <laughs> college is still very much very popular. Yeah, I, it does seem to be one of those things that, I mean, I, I'm sure at one time there was a little more value to a college education when not necessarily everybody had it. And it actually did make you stand out more. Uh, but there's something about the culture of everybody presuming we have to go to college and doing whatever it takes to get there, even taking on massive loans that they may or may not ever be able to pay off, uh, that it, it almost creates the, the it lessens the value of that education. So suddenly when everybody is convinced they have to have it, um, that this grand sort of brainwashing that we've all sort of fallen for here, now that ironically actually makes that degree so much less valuable overall because if everybody has it well you don't even stand out when you have it all, all you can say when you have a college degree now is i'm just like everybody else i'm able to cram for tests just like everybody else i'm able to get through the system that in no way actually prepares me for real life just like everybody else i think that's right hey friends i gotta take a quick pause here to tell you about another great libertarian podcast out there it's called Free Man Beyond the Wall, hosted by the artist formerly known as Mance Raider, now known simply by his real name of Pete Raymond. And I gotta tell you, Pete is a machine. This guy brings you a new episode of his own every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and he has done some absolutely fantastic in-depth interviews. He's had on everybody from Ron Paul to Thaddeus Russell to Phil Labonte, the lead singer of All That Remains, a very diverse group of guests not always libertarians. He also did a great show with a Washington, D.C. insider lobbyist revealing a lot of the dirt that goes on behind the scenes in D.C. He has done so many interviews that I have just said, darn, I wish I did this one myself. So I really do want to highly recommend checking out Freeman Beyond the Wall. You can find it over at freemanbeyondthewall.com as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and all those fancy podcatchers out there. And I want to go through kind of a few more of the problems uh, with college today and, um, you know, why people should sort of consider or at least consider the alternatives or some of the alternatives to just jumping right into college from high school, especially if they don't really have any idea what they want to do in life. Uh, and I think one issue that really gets hit on in the book uh, is this issue of free speech. And, uh, you know, you think of college as a place where you expand ideas, where you really get to do a deep dive, philosophical deep dive and, and challenge your views and have your views challenged and, and do the challenging yourself. And then uh, often when you get there, you start to realize there, there's not that kind of open accepting culture. And Brittany, you touched on this a little bit more, but maybe you can uh, expand on it a bit. Uh, this this culture of, of really free speech is gone. It's more just like a certain type of speech that is promoted. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this in the book too. It, it was has happened more so in the years that I've been gone from college, I think, than when I was there. But because I am a big Jordan Peterson fan and because I'm a big fan of the intellectual dark web, I've been following this very closely. Um, so, you know, for those of you that don't know, it's, it's, it's become, college campus has become a place where if you don't think like a radical progressive, then you are a harm or a danger or offensive. And it's, it's becoming so outrageous where it's, it's almost laughable, but you can't laugh about it because you're going to offend somebody. So you can't really, it, it's just, it's madness. Um, I know with one instance with, uh, it, I believe it's Brett Weinstein, but it could be his brother. I'm gonna feel terrible if I don't get this right. Yeah, I think Brett is the one you're- I think it was Brett, because um, yeah. I'm a fan of both of them. They're both kind of part of the intellectual dark web, but he, uh, I mean, he left his position teaching at a college because he suggested that maybe this culture was getting out of control. Uh, there was a day where, 
I believe minority students were going to like protest white students by not showing up to like class or something, or they were asking the white kids not to show up to class. Either way, it was becoming absurd. And even him just like posing the question that maybe this has gotten out of hand or has this gotten out of hand, it just like people are calling for his resignation. He had threats of violence. It's you can't say what you think anymore. You have to say what's been approved and accepted already. So it's just, yeah, it's the, the situation has, has gotten far worse than even when I was in school. Connor, would you care to expand on the free speech issue at all? I kind of laugh when we use these terms that, that we think have more meaning than they do. Like I'm a big fan of free markets and every once in a while I pause and I think we literally don't have like any free markets at all. We, you know, it's, it's the princess bride. Like you keep on using that term. I do not think it means what you think it means. Cause everyone is like, Oh yeah, I support the free market. And yet everyone supports all these crazy regulations. It's the same thing. I think with free speech and college campuses, when you look at some of the ridiculous policies that publicly funded universities have when it comes to so-called free speech, it's, it's like free markets or highly regulated markets. It's often highly regulated speech. I mean, there's a whole organization fire that exists solely to try and reform these campus policies dealing with speech because some of them are so ridiculous to the point of having like designated speech zones where you are allowed to stand on the entire taxpayer funded property in order to, you know, have people sign a petition or talk to people publicly about a controversial issue. Yeah, or I, I used to be under the impression that the free speech zone was uh, everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You think like, uh, you know, here's my constitution. It's my my free speech permit. And, you know, that allows me to go anywhere I want. And yet time and again, you see these bureaucrats that will completely undermine uh, constitutional principles to advance their agenda. It's no different on the college universities. And so the the challenge, I think, though, is that we like to think that, uh, you know, we went to college or people go to college to uh, exchange ideas and to be tested and to be challenged and to challenge others. I would say, I mean, if I'm being cynical, actually not even cynical, if I'm being realistic, I'd say that's probably fewer than 1% of people who go to college for that. Like people aren't intellectuals today, right? Especially the generation growing up on emojis. I mean, I'm sorry, they're not reading Thoreau in the evening, you know, with their little you know, glass of whatever they drink on the side in the reading room. Like people just aren't sophisticated anymore. I don't know what the deal is, but they're not philosophical. They're not, they don't hunger for that knowledge. So I think it's extremely few and they're probably half of them are in the chess club where no one wants to be, right? And so, uh, no, 99% of the people going to college are going there just because they have been programmed to believe that that is the next step on the conveyor belt towards life and professional success. And in order to get a good job, you know, that's what you need to do. It's transactional. It's just going through the motions in order to, you know, get the diploma, learn what you're supposed to so you can go get a good paying job. People aren't caring about the underlying exchange of ideas. That's where I think it's sad because the whole original notion of universities centuries ago was very much the holistic education of the individual and kind of the moral and ethical uh, building of a person, right? It wasn't just learn all these facts and dates and figures. It was, we're going to build you into an ethical educated person that understands kind of the classical liberal ideas and and uh, and we've lost that even in the you know supposedly classical liberal or liberal arts type education institutions you get so much of this indoctrination of specific worldviews and specific facts and so it, it saddens me saddens me because I would love to have basically a glorified book club where we all exchange ideas and we're challenging and we're debating and that's just not what college is and and I think we have to recognize it for that and when we do I think that presents an opportunity because if all people are really going to college for is to get a job, 
we can so easily overcome that by showing so many parallel paths outside of the college conveyor belt that get them to where they want to go to get a good job, high paying job, without the debt, without the wasted time. That becomes an easier conversation to have. What are some of those paths? Can we can we dive into that a little bit? Because I think there's some people that might, you know, just hear a lot of the objections and a lot of the reasons they might not want to go to college, but they might also be a situation where, you know, maybe they're just getting out of high school and they just don't know what they want to do. And like so many, college is just the only direction they're given. So what are some other directions that people can go when they don't necessarily have an idea of what they want to do, but they've kind of might start agreeing with you guys and think, well, okay, maybe the smart thing to do isn't just to put all this money and take out these massive loans and go into college when I when I have no real direction. How can people start down the path of sort of gaining and finding that direction in their lives, uh, you know, without committing this, to this giant sum of money, uh, knowing that, you know, you can always eventually go to college if, if you want. And I'll, I'll let either of you take it away. Brittany, you want to talk about Praxis? Yeah, I was, I was going to say that, obviously. First one, uh, Praxis does great work. They're more of the apprenticeship model. Um, and I, I think to touch on this before I get to that, to touch on something Connor said, I don't think this is going to be something that we convince people of overnight. I do think he's right on that. So like when I talk about the apprenticeship model, I don't think it's going to like all of a sudden this is going to develop into something big, but Praxis is starting this model and it's, it's great to see what they're doing. So they're setting, uh, you do pay for the apprenticeship, but it's so much cheaper than college, but then they're pl paying to, you know, place you where you can go get real world work experience. It might be that you go do a job you thought you wanted and you find out you hated it, but so much better to find out during an apprenticeship than after you spent $50,000 on an undergrad degree that you right. just decided can't get you a job. So I think that's the, the training, the apprentice model. I think that's something that's going to be huge. Um, I would like to see be huge. I'm saying that, you know, wishful speaking. But um, I think that's going to be a key to taking away a lot of occupational licensing issues and just a lot of these mundane college classes that don't need to be taken. Connor, what about you? What are some suggestions you'd have for uh, those kind of in that situation where they're just not sure what to do with life? College is the only thing they've been presented, but you know, maybe they have, have some other ideas. So partially as a result of the book, I've had an opportunity to have some very real conversations recently with folks about this who are at kind of that, uh, that point of convergence where they're having to like, you know, poop or get off the pot, basically. What am I going to do? And, and uh, got to make a decision. And Praxis is a, a fantastic opportunity. Really excited by it. All the proceeds from uh, this book, Skip College, Go to Praxis, it's a model that I'm particularly very excited to see grow. I think we need a lot more of it. Uh, short of Praxis, I mean, anyone can just go do an apprenticeship, right? Basically, the, the model, and I think Isaac even talks about this, the founder of Praxis in his chapter of the book, is basically offer to work for people for free, right? Like, go get your part-time job to pay your minimal bills when you're living in mom's basement or in an you know, apartment with five other people. When your costs are low, your risk tolerance is very high. You can jump from one job to the next. You can go out and get all sorts of experiences. Um, sure, get your part-time job or build up a little bit of savings and then offer to work for people for free for two weeks and just say, I want to do this trial. I'd love to help you out. And if things go well and you're interested, you've already got your foot in your door. You've got a human relationship. You got a name to the face. You've met people. They like you. And all of a sudden, you're going to get offered whatever you know, entry-level position they have opened up. You're going to be ahead of the pack. You get in, you start excelling at that, they give you promotions, et cetera, et cetera, and, and off you go. And uh, that by far is the easiest way when you, like I, I've had this happen to me when people for the organization that I run, Libertas Institute, I'll have uh, people occasionally say, I want to just help you out like with anything. Uh, do you have anything I can help with? I'd love to help. And those people, like now I have a connection to them and if I have more needs and, and a paying job, they're the first ones that come to mind. It's a genius way to get past the stacks of resumes 
And, uh, and Isaac talked about this, in fact, I think at a Facebook post or something just the other day, because now he's got a company called Crash, which is great to set up kind of these new uh, uh, resume type profiles where you can really pitch yourself to your potential employers. And he basically says, and I, I've got someone in my family who's struggling to understand this very concept right now. You, you basically have to laser focus on the company that you want to uh, work for if indeed you want to just go get a job rather than start your own company, which I think is the whole separate answer to this question that we're talking about in terms right. of avoiding college is the path of entrepreneurship. But if you want to get a job, you have to basically seduce one company like they are the only company in the world, right? Like if you have your sights set on that one woman, if she knows she's one of 83 women you're courting, there ain't no way you're going to, you know, get to third base or build a relationship or get married or whatever your goals are. But if, if they think that they're special, they're unique, they're the only person in the world that matters to you, that's a totally different relationship. And, and the problem a lot of people have is they get really, really nervous and they start applying everywhere and their success rate goes down because they're basically just trying to court everyone. And so no one's interested. I think the best thing you can do, especially in your younger 20s or old teen, older teens, when you have a ton of uh, uh, risk tolerance, when you can basically go work somewhere and then you know a month later uh, quit or be fired, right? It's not working out. I'm going to move on to something else. You don't have a family. You don't have kids. You don't have a mortgage. You have every opp opportunity in the world to go dabble around. And this is the biggest problem I've heard from parents that I've talked to is, uh, they'll, they'll say, well, my kid doesn't know what he wants to do yet, right? It, it, this is why college is great. Like you get exposed to so many things. I'm like, BS, just go get like 18 different jobs in a year. Right. Like, do the micro, you know, TV show style thing where every week it's a different job, right? Uh, dirty jobs. That's the name of the show. Go out and offer to, uh, like, like I said, work for free. Talk to people in your network, in your neighborhood, your church, your whatever, and, and ask to job shadow people. I see so few people do this, and the, the couple people I've seen do this, it works phenomenally well. Go talk to the guy down the road who's a CPA, if you're interested in finances, and say, hey, I'd love to just come sit in your office for like a day and just observe what's going on and what you're doing, just to get a better sense of what it's like to be you. And they're not gonna say no, right? Like you're an enterprising, upstart young kid trying to figure out your life. Sure, fine, yeah, here, pull up a chair at my desk, read a book, listen in, ask questions. You sit there, you observe what it's going, and you might realize, I do not want to do this at all. I'm so glad that I avoided you know, going to college or taking all these classes only to later realize that I'd be bored to tears doing this job. Job shadow people. Ask people who work in a field that you're interested in. Learn from them. Go job shadow them for a day or two. Gain all that knowledge and, and experience and insight when your risk is very high and you can move between things very quickly. You're going to learn and hone in on what you want to do and where you want to spend your time far faster than just sitting in a classroom reading about things that you gain no practical practical experience doing. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And I think so many people uh, kind of get trapped in uh, sort of the sunken costs that they put in when, you know, I, I know a number of people that are in wh whatever career they may be in after they went through college or even went through master's schools, medical school, law school, and they might really not like what they do, but they, they think to themselves, well, you know, I already put all this time in. I already spent all this money. I'm already paying these massive student loans. I have to keep doing this. I can't, I already lost that time. I think that's a trap that could be avoided if, if people kind of put more thought into exactly what 
what they wanted to do beforehand. And, and Brittany, I want to hop back to you for a second because your your situation was kind of unique in the sense that you had already done some of that sunken cost. You had already gone started down the path of college. And there may be people that are listening to this right now that are in a similar situation. You know, they've already started down this path of college. They've already taken out some loans. Uh, they've already spent a lot of time and money on their classes and textbooks. But maybe they're starting to have these these thoughts of you know, is this really right for me? Should I really be investing all this time? Uh, I'm curious if you could speak a little bit on what what specifically like when you made that decision to drop out and you know how how you kind of reconciled those thoughts of you know I already put in this time I already put in this money what made you finally able to pull that cord and and how were you able to achieve uh, you know great success uh, even without that degree yeah it's funny I didn't actually pull the cord entirely until four years ago I was uh, I moved away from Utah where I went to college uh, I was only three credits away from graduating so I only had three classes left. Uh, but the thing when it came to me dropping out was I had gotten a volunteer position on the Ron Paul campaign. And so I was given the opportunity to travel and I wasn't going to be there for the start of the semester. So it was this, do I take this great experience and then miss school because missing the first week, it's okay, but it, would, it wasn't going to be great. You know, or do, I, or do I take this really great opportunity? And it was interesting because I took that opportunity, I was able to get in the door at this private school who hired me without a degree. In fact, asked me not to have one. They said they preferred me not to have one because they'd rather teach me their own way. So it, it was weird how all of it happened. And it's not one of those things that I have not second guessed. Like I said, about four years ago, I was trying to do online classes and get my degree. Um, and at some point a boss, I think someone at Fee told me like, why? why are you doing this? I was like, well, you know, just, just to have it, you know, maybe go to law school, but then they're just like, why you have this career, you're able to be a writer, you're able to, you know, freelance, write and ghostwrite and do these things. There really is no economic incentive for me to go back. Even if I were to go back and like go to law school, I would still end up like in debt, you know, hundreds, <laughs> probably a hundred thousand dollars at least uh, at so a minimum. Just, at minimum. And I'm, you know, I'm already 50 grand in debt from undergrad that I didn't graduate from. So it just, it doesn't make any sense. And I mean, this is the, the sunk cost, right? You have to realize that like all that, all that investment doesn't always pay off. And for me, had I not quit when I quit, I would not have gotten the job I got when I got it. And it kind of like launched a bunch of things where I was able to eventually get to DC and start my career as a writer. So I had to weigh my options and I had to make sure that I was doing the right thing. I think everyone should saying college isn't for anybody is, you know, that's, that's a little bit too broad of a statement, but I think, I think even if you are in your last, you know, stretch, but there are better opportunities. Sometimes those better opportunities are what you should seek. Yeah, I think one thing you touched upon there that's really important that I, I try to tell people all the time uh, when you refer to the sunken cost. I mean, no matter how much time or money you've put into something, if you're if it's put you down a path that you're unhappy on, you've already spent that time and money. Like nothing is going to change yep. that. So you may as well try to make yourself happier. You know, continuing down the road. Uh, w one last question I want to ask both of you guys: This being a libertarian podcast, this being about the ideas of liberty and achieving greater personal freedom. So I'm I'm wondering if you could sort of give a final pitch for this book and this entire idea of skipping college by answering the question, uh, this question in the context of individual liberty. So how can skipping college make one more free? Uh, Connor, I'll let you take it first. So I would argue that college has basically uh, become fully intertwined with the, the state. Uh, so many of the universities are uh, publicly funded, taxpayer funded. Uh, even the private ones often will teach similar curriculum and use the same textbooks and have uh, professors who themselves were educated in uh, state universities. The, the state has long had an interest in controlling and utilizing and leveraging the education of the rising generation. And it's no different between public education and higher education. 
uh, it really is all part of the same conveyor belt. And if we want to break free of that control, if we want to have an alternative perspective on the world, if we want to pursue truth and not sanitized history and, and propaganda and whatever, uh, we have to be able to take that upon ourselves. And there's a lot of support systems out there. There's a lot of people who have kind of forged a path before us and written books about it. And you might be listening to two of them right now. <laughs> there's a lot of online courses. There's a lot of smart people out there with podcasts and everything else in between who can educate us along the way. But I think if we want to fully understand truth, if we want to have that alternative perspective on uh, events, both past, present, and what's to come in the future, I don't think we can rely on the status quo. I don't think we can comfortably sit on the conveyor belt uh, with all the other sheep. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. It's just uh, as you look at human history, that's often the way things go. And if we want to break free of that mold, if we don't want to be on a path that someone else has designed for us, uh, we have to have a little act of, of revolution. And we need to, in our own capacity, break free from that path and kind of figure out our own way again with lots of support opportunities along the way. It's not like we need to reinvent the wheel, but I don't think those of us who champion the principles of liberty, I don't think those of us who want to avoid uh, uh, you know, misleading information and propaganda and textbooks full of junk that don't accurate, accurately teach truth, um, I think we need to basically uh, pursue a different route. And, and like Brittany just said, uh, that route isn't necessarily the same for everyone. Some people, with eyes wide open, the best route for them is to plug their nose and ride that conveyor belt to the end, you know, and hold their breath and just achieve that goal for some strategic longer term perspective. More than anything, I think we just need to have open eyes and whatever path we pursue, look, we're going to end up okay. The biggest thing is, as I talk to my parents, well, you went to college, you ended up okay, right? Like, <laughs> like, that, like that's not really a defense of the system to say that I wasn't horribly harmed. You're Again, still alive and breathing should not be right. the standard. <laughs> exactly. There's so many opportunity costs. And like Brittany, like the fact that she quit college, launched this whole productive and awesome career that's uh, led to a, a very fulfilling life. I look back and I, I, wonder about the same thing. Had I quit college, had I not gone, had I, had I, had I, had I, right? What could my life have been? How much further uh, could I have gotten? What more could I have done? So I think really we just need to, uh, again, be eyes wide open, make a very strategic decision, understanding all the alternatives. But the first thing is to understand that alternatives are out there. All right. And Brittany, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the final pitch here. In your view, how can skipping college make somebody more free? Yeah, well, I second everything Connor says. I will add that I think access to knowledge is the true gateway to, to liberty, and that's not what colleges offer anymore. They have a very protected source of knowledge that isn't even applicable, I think, to a lot of you know our modern world. And it's just like trying to force that on, on everybody, and it's that one size fits all. But I think by, by letting go of those boundaries, by realizing that knowledge and learning doesn't just take place in a classroom, that it takes place everywhere, that a conversation with a stranger could lead you on more of a philosophical conversation than you'll ever get with a professor in college, um, that that is, that's liberating. You know, the, the more you know, <laughs> the more open your mind is. <laughs> and it's, dun, it's dun, really dun. sad now, right? I know that's what I heard in my head too. <laughs> and it's really so sad now because like I said, I was really looking forward to to this college experience. And I found much more, you know, intellectual conversations with the people from Praxis or the people from Fee who opted out of college. And 
and are, you know, more philosophically advanced than anyone I've ever met. And we can have these deep discussions and we don't always agree, but we can disagree respectively. And so that's, you know, that's, that's the goal. That's, that's Liberty. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about this book and uh, this overall idea that I think uh, more people should at least uh, put thought into before they just jump right into uh, uh, spending a ton of money and time and going into debt. Uh, I do want to give you both one more chance before we go to, uh, to plug the book real quick, let everybody know the best way to find it. And also, of course, uh, plug your own work, how people can get in touch with you and, uh, you know, feel free to plug anything else you've got in the works. Connor, I'll start with you. So, you know, Jeff Bezos can't finance that yacht all on his own. So everyone <laughs> needs to help him out. This book is available on Amazon. He's got a robot dog to pay for. So <laughs> we've got it in uh, paperback. We've got it on Kindle and we've got it on uh, Audible as well. If you do audiobooks, so go check it out. We have a ton of great authors. In fact, I should mention this. Not a lot of people know about this. Uh, John Taylor Gatto wrote uh, the, the foreword for my book, Passion Driven Education. And when I talked to him about this book, Skip College, and asked him to write a chapter, he agreed. He finished writing this chapter uh, two or three days before he passed away wow. late last year. Wow. This chapter in our book is the last thing that John Taylor Gatto wrote, the last piece of content he created in this life. So any John Taylor Gatto fans out there, if you're not, oh man, go look the guy up and uh, go down that rabbit hole. It's a lot of fun. But uh, for those who know him, uh, check out this chapter, check out the book on Amazon. You can find me online, social media, search Connor Boyack. Uh, everyone knows me for the Tuttle Twins books, that's at TuttleTwins.com. Or if you want to learn more about our policy work at Libertas Institute, that's at LibertasUtah.org. All right, and Brittany, feel free to uh, give everybody the full run through of everything you got going on. Yeah, so you can find my most of the I'm, I'm super proud of at fee.org, Foundation for Economic Education. Um, I'm also on social, uh, Facebook and Instagram the most, just looking under my name. Um, and then I do have a Medium page as well that's just Brittany Hunter, where I write a lot of like personal and mental health memoirs. So check that out as well. All right, Connor Boyack, Brittany Hunter, thank you again so much for coming on the show, talking about this idea. Keep up the great work, both of you, and keep on roaring. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right, kitty cats. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Connor Boyack and Brittany Hunter, two people I've really wanted to get on the show for a while, and I just saw this perfect opportunity to bring them both on at the same time to talk about this project and to talk about this subject of college. And, you know, when I was growing up, it was just no question that you were going to college. Uh, it was it was a presumption uh, between parents, between children, between teachers, guidance counselors, fellow students. There was just no question about it. And it, it is nice to see that there are some people questioning this system because uh, I, I certainly see the benefits in college. In fact, I met the Lions of Liberty in college. You know, I, the Lions of Liberty might not exist if I didn't choose to go to college, to go to Penn State and uh, meet all these people. So I can't really say that I have any regrets in that regards. But if I had the information available to me today about the job market, about the, the actual worth of a college degree and what it really gets you, uh, especially depending on what industry you want to go in, if you even know what you want to do with your life, even if you think you should go get a job or become an entrepreneur or do something else entirely, there are just so many presumptions about what people should do with their lives baked into our system. And that's what I hope to help challenge uh, with episodes like this. So, uh, of course, the book is Skip College. If you're going to get that thing, please do get it through the link at our website, lionsofliberty.com. Lionsofliberty.com slash Amazon has our Amazon link for any products you want to buy. And I will also link to this book directly over in today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 418. Folks, don't forget to check out the documentary and live free. You can see it again at lionsofliberty.com 
slash live free. Uh, it was shot over at Porkfest and really tells the story about how we came together as the Lions of Liberty. Of course, those other Lions of Liberty include Brian McWilliams, who's going to be hitting you hard this and every other Wednesday for all of eternity with Electric Liberty Land, his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty as he really takes a look at current events and cultural phenomenon and such through the lens of liberty while John Odermatt wraps things up every single Friday with his hard-hitting look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. My friends, there is something for the whole darn family here on Lines of Liberty, so be sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you haven't yet, hey, while you're there, Leave us a rating, a five-star rating, and a great review on iTunes, preferably, is the best place that is still the most visible uh, platform for podcasts, but we appreciate kind words anywhere you choose to leave them, and of course, hey, you can always just share it with a friend, share it with a colleague, share it with family, but be careful. You don't want to ruin any relationships with your political views, but we like to think we keep things pretty darn friendly here as a nice little entry point for anyone to get into the ideas of liberty. And we are always pleased to have you all roaring with us along the way. Again, this show is made possible by our supporters on Patreon, the Lions of Liberty Pride, where we bombard you with extra bonus content in exchange for your love and your money. <laughs> and now we have a new promotion for anyone that joins. At the $10 or higher level, you will get a free Taxation is Death mug for joining the Lions of Liberty Pride or upgrading to the $10 or higher level if you're already a member. So again, please do check that out. That is how this show is funded. That is how we go to events like Porkfest and the Libertarian National Convention and bring you the fantastic coverage that we do. Uh, so check that out at patreon.com slash Liberty. Until next time, kids live long and live free Are you tired of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free? Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? Then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. Check us out at thelavaflow.com. Listen to We Are Libertarians at wearelibertarians.com. My name is Chris Spengel, and I host a show where we talk about the stories you and your friends are talking about, and then we give you libertarian solutions so you sound smarter when you're talking to your friends. We're going to make you sound like a genius. Tune in now at wearelibertarians.com. Are those dry, boring, run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work? Are you ready for some fun? Look no further. Blast off with Johnny Rocket is a Seattle-based podcast expressing viewpoints of free markets, voluntary exchange, badass music, wicked banner, and of course, drinking. The Blast Off doesn't shy from the truth, but always brings the party. Let's rock and roll, Raylene. Bring it on, Johnny. You can check us out at thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blastoff. Again, that's thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blastoff. Launchpad Media. Always launching ideas in your direction. And now I'm crying over you.